0: We're going to give everybody about a minute to uh, start joining before we get started. We we in Vitaly how many participants
1: all right let's take a look we have 50 and counting
0: all right let's wait till we have 100 and then start I think we had uh, we had about 250 uh, registrations so I think uh, we should have a great group today
1: We are at about uh, 70 in the room, so and growing, and we have lots on Facebook. Welcome everybody that's watching on Facebook.
0: Thanks, Vitali. I'd say uh, at three minutes at the, after the top of the hour, let's get started.
1: Should we do some jokes while we wait?
0: <laughs> well, now that the, uh, the jingle's done.
1: <laughs> for those that just joined the 20 or so new ones, uh, new folks, we're, we're about to get started. We're just giving you a few min- minutes for folks to pile in the room here, the virtual room, before we dive into the super exciting topic of uh, m and term sheets.
0: Okay, I think that's three minutes after the hour. Welcome, everyone. I'm Louis Lowe, and I'm uh, really excited to welcome a, a fantastic group of panelists uh, and uh, quite a distinguished uh, group of uh, attendees on this call this morning. I was reviewing the list uh, before we got started, and I saw about 250 uh, uh, friends, uh, many old friends and some new friends, and and welcome to our eighth webinar uh, produced by uh, my good friends, uh, uh, Natasha, Vitaly, Brian, and myself at uh, L2 Council. And uh, before we get started, I think it'd be great if, uh, Brian, you could start by uh, introducing yourself. Um, I'm gonna do it for you. Brian has been a, a friend of mine for over 10 years. Uh, he started out uh, in my world as uh, the head of m and Legal at CBRE. Uh, then he moved over to the dark side of corporate development uh, and, and guiding the business terms of the term sheet. And, and now he's in private practice and I have the privilege of uh, working him w- with him in that context, uh, Brian.
2: Uh, thanks, Lou, yeah. I, actually, and even predating that, I, uh, I spent a decade in major law firms in Palo Alto, Los Angeles and Hong Kong. Um, general corporate practice, but it's a significant weighting towards M&A and strategic transactions. So uh, the segue into in-house where we first met and running M&A there globally and then corporate development seems like a, has been a natural one. And it's good to be back now in uh, this venue with you and uh, sharing thoughts on M&A.
0: Thanks, Brian. Natasha?
3: Hi, everyone. Uh, Natasha Allen, uh, founding partner of Allen & Hatcher. Uh, We are a corporate law firm with specialities in M&A and venture financing. So my background specifically uh, started off in tax some years ago and transitioned to corporate and M&A work. So um, definitely in the wheelhouse of doing M&A transaction and strategic (laughs) complex transactions as well. Thank you, for having us here today.
0: All right. And Vitaly, my partner in crime. Eighth webinar. Um, Something like that. <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. He's a venture capitalist. He's an investment banker. Uh, tell us about yourself and a technologist.
1: Yeah, uh, jack of all trades, master of none. Um, so I've been on all sides of the table at this point. Um, most recently, last several years, I'm spending um, running an M&A boutique. And uh, surprise, surprise, we focus on sell-side a primarily, sometimes buy-side, representing companies. Um, as well as capital raises. And I specialize heavily in transportation mobility sector, but also do a lot in software, especially anything B2B or enterprise related.
0: Thanks Vitaly, and thanks for joining. And And um, I, I wanted to just quickly set the table for our discussion today. Um, I think the first half of the year saw just a nosedive in in the number and the volume of of M&A transactions. Um, and a transactions. And as we kick off uh, the second half of the year, I, I think last weekend, Really in my practice, I saw it pick up in in the beginning of June uh, where just a a number of parties started to um, uh, really try and put deals together. And the genesis of, of today's webinar is, is just that experience. How has the MA term sheet changed uh, through the pandemic? And you know what are the, the, the best practices? And when do we use them? When do we not? And so we're gonna dive into a lot of these uh, questions today. We only uh, are, are gonna touch the slides for about 45 minutes and then it would be the most fun if you all could use the Q&A function uh, in Zoom and and uh, dive in with questions and Vitaly's gonna moderate and make sure that uh, to the extent the questions are relevant exactly to the thing we're talking about at that time, we'll interrupt and, and deal with it. Otherwise, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit them all in the last uh, few minutes of the uh, presentation. So um, thanks everyone for joining. And with that, let's um, dive right in, uh, Vitali. Um, in your practice, uh, do you favor a term sheet or would you rather go straight to uh, Definitive Docs?
1: Um, I definitely like to start with a term sheet um, in any case, because uh, it's, very, it's it's a lot easier to negotiate a deal and, and some of the key points at that stage without diving into the documents. As much as I love uh, all the lawyers uh, in this world and on this call and uh, in my household, um, you know it gets a lot more complicated when you're trying to negotiate every nuance without getting the, the key terms set first. So a term sheet is very helpful, both with raising capital and a letter of intent, which is essentially a term sheet for M&A, uh, same thing. You know, what's the purchase price? What are the kind of down term sheet terms? And, and all the most important key points that everybody's happy with.
0: Yeah. How are you seeing uh, the, the term sheet change in your practice, Natasha, since the outset of the pandemic?
3: So it's very interesting. So we've had a couple of transactions where um, people are really closely uh, looking at every single term in a term sheet and trying to impose those as opposed to trying to negotiate a little bit outside of it. Um, also, some changes that you see are in terms of just diligence, right? So people are more focused on what is happening with regards to the force majeure clauses and can, is there an impact of COVID on the company and their ability to, to continue um, in this environment. So, um, seeing a lot of different things kind of happening and the focus is changing in terms of what, you know, buyers are looking at.
0: Thanks, Natasha. Brian, what, what changes are you seeing in the post pandemic world in in the term sheet and and are are you seeing a term sheet at all or are you seeing people dive right into definitive documents or what what are you, what's, what's happening in the market?
2: Yeah. So actually I want to go back just for a second to uh, what Vitaly was saying, which is, um, the benefit of the written term sheet uh, in almost any context. The the times that I've seen deals most likely to fall apart or become threatened is because either there wasn't a term sheet or the term sheet was just too high level and glossed over major issues, either major for the buyer or major for the seller. And if something is major, bring it up now. Make sure people understand how you get from the point of signing a term sheet to closing a deal. There's a lot of room to run between those points. So if something's important, talk about it then. Um, In the context of the pandemic, I'm seeing basically smaller deals. um, And the leverage, at least from what I'm seeing, the leverage is on the buyer side. Um, So they're imposing terms, uh, and I think term sheets are also a little lighter, but as Natasha said, that the diligence side of it has become important and people are calling out very specific things on a diligence perspective particularly with respect to uh, MAC outs, um, in terms of closing conditions and uh, operating, uh, how's the business operating, what's so the revenue run rate, how has it changed?
0: So to sum it all up, uh, we.